The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good afternoon. Uh, good a- No, it's still morning, but okay. Good morning, afternoon, whatever well, you wish uh, to call it. The third of us uh, got me up early enough that it feels like afternoon. And oh, okay. he's uh, done that a couple of times, so... Yeah, we're just going to roll with that. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> the, the, we have the, some interesting stuff. Uh, we have a GM search. We have a absolute collapse uh, of a franchise. We have surprising goaltenders on the market, centers on the market, um, number retirements. Where or where do we want to go first? Well, we were talking about this. Do you really want to start with the will he or won't he? I actually do want to start with the will he or won't he because I think it's a, I think it's a necessary discussion in terms of, um, in terms of that team's like general manager search. So we did a poll last week uh, because there were rumors that Rick Nash, currently the. Uh, head of player personnel player development rather for the Columbus Blue Jackets might be named uh, the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets mm. <laughs> as always we wanted to know what our what our listeners thought and our followers on the birdless network um, so we put out a poll and it's actually a closer poll than I expected, um, which I think says something uh, that we're going to talk about, or actually given the player poll that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um, I think it says something about how people are perceived uh, in different areas and at different st- uh, different times. Um Rick Nash had a not very successful stay here in Boston. Um, and okay. I, I don't particularly view him as the decisive type um, that I would want for a general manager. Uh, but the vote was 41.7% yes, 58.3% no. That's a lot closer than I really, really expected. Okay. Um, I was expecting something on the order of 75% no. Wow. I was expecting no as well. I, I just don't – I don't see him as the GM type in all fairness. I Last week when we talked about this, I struggled with the understanding of how he became a director of player development. Um, I, I don't understand how – I, I get that he was a first pick, first round pick. I, I get that he did some good things during his career, but his playoff numbers are, well, I, the word abysmal comes to mind. I don't know if it's fair, but uh, I'm going to I'm stick not with, going to dispute them. I'm going to stick with abysmal. His playoff numbers are are atrocious, and I just don't understand how somebody of that caliber can be a player development. And I haven't seen or heard anything from him being a 
a sensible pick for a general manager. He just doesn't. His does he have the ability to evaluate talent? Does he have the ability to recognize what his team needs? I mean, John Davidson's already made a move. Uh, I mean, they traded Emil Bemstrom to the Penguins for Alex Nylander. It did seem more like a. It's not going to help either team. I just think that Pittsburgh was looking to move Nylander and they feel like they got the short end of the stick because Alex and William are nothing alike as far as goal scoring ability. Uh, I don't know how either deal helps either team. It, it seemed like it was more like a deal of convenience. Which is something I would expect from a net. I just don't – I don't see anything. There's no evidence that tells me he's going to be good at the job. And I could I, be wrong about that. And if anybody has evidence, please send it to me because I would love to see it. I mean – I would be I, fascinated and my position is pretty much the same. Uh, I don't think he was a decisive enough player. Um and I don't see him as the type to seek the level to seek or thrive at the level of pressure that a GM needs to be able to live with um, as a uh, in order in order to succeed in the role or even just even just tread water, like just treading water and having a franchise that's within two points of a playoff spot every year is it takes a lot. Some of it is just sheer dumb luck, but some of it is making the smart move, even if it's not the popular move. And uh, that's, I mean, neither one of us is the world's biggest fan of the Boston Bruins general manager. He, I think, at least can take the pressure most of the time. And I think he but I also think he has a different set of directives than a market like Columbus, where if you start losing, well, where you don't have the mandate of the playoffs every year are the requirement. and, And to be quite honest, in the situation Columbus is currently in. They need somebody who has experience. I mean, this is a team that's obviously going into a rebuild. You have a couple of decent parts in, no, better than decent, I would guess, in in Zach Wierenski. And and you have, I struggle to find, I mean, Zach Wierenski is probably the number one P I mean, Boone Jenner. And they've said that Boone's not going anywhere. So I'm guessing whoever deals with Columbus, they're not getting Boone Jenner unless I'm assuming the package is, is ridiculously good going back. I mean, if you send them Connor Bedard, they'll probably consider sending them Boone Jenner. But beyond that, like a generational player in their teams, they've got young, they've got Fantilli, they've got Kent Johnson. You've got some decent pieces. Is Johnny Gaudreau going to stick it out? Is he going to finish his career in Columbus? Who knows? 
there are pieces, but there's nothing that jumps out at me that says, hey, we're close, so we just need a GM who can manage us into a playoff situation. No, this is a team that's not going to be good, in my estimation, for the next couple, three years at least. They're at least three years away from being good. Um, And that, to me, says we need somebody with experience. But – the question then becomes how much experience? Because we've heard all of the names, some of some of whom are guys who have multiple retreads without ever actually winning anything. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the more interesting names in speculation uh, would be a first-time general manager. But he's got Columbus connections. He was there for their inaugural season. He's been a director of player personnel and an assistant general manager for one of the best and most successful franchises in the last decade. Uh, This gentleman also played for the Montreal Canadiens and played for uh, the San Jose Sharks as well. Um, I, I am, of course, speaking of Matthew Darsh. I'm sure that's the name that was on everyone's lips. Oh, yeah. Um, Matthew Darsh, I think, is one of the things in his favor, um, aside from having worked for one of the more successful franchises as as an assistant GM, um, is that and of course, under a couple of GMs who have gotten their team, who gotten that team to the cup, is he seen several of the major markets at, either as a player or executive? Um, and he understands alternate routes to the NHL other than purely major junior, um, and then straight to the NHL. This is a Canadian University player who then played in the AHL, then played for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, the 05-06 season he spent in Germany. Um, that was, of course, a lockout season. Um, he spent time in the AHL um, off and on in his career. In fact, he played more AHL games than NHL games. Um, so I think he's got a pretty blue-collar, uh, a pretty blue-collar mindset. And I think that's going to work well in the Columbus market. Is he still? I believe he's probably still with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, he was hired back. I mean, it's he was hired back in May of 2019. He was a director of hockey op- hockey operations. But this is a guy who not. I mean, talk about well-rounded as far as what he's done. You know, being a director of hockey operations for the Lightning. He's also been a negotiator for the uh, for the NHLPA, so he's had rela- he's had relationships, developed relationships with both sides of the aisle, so to speak, as far as the NHL and the players themselves. I think the is- well-roundedness and the fact that he's been with a successful organization and seeing what it takes to get an organization to that point 
I mean, if he was hired in 2019, we're talking about a, a guy who's seen Stanley Cups. I mean, would he not be a better choice than a Rick Nash? Uh, I would think that he would be. And I imagine that at some point somebody's going to come calling, whether it's Columbus or. And not, well, not only was he on the negotiations committee for the NHL Players Association, he was on there for the AHL Players Association as well. Um, so his connections up and down the hockey universe uh, are they're they're pretty they're pretty snazzy. Um, I. I don't know if he'll land the Columbus job because given that they went, they've already been out of the playoffs five years. I suspect they're probably going to go with someone, um, someone more experienced, more pedigree, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Darsh is going to be a general manager sometime in the next three years. Um, he could end up staying with Tampa Bay and just taking over for um, Patrice Brisebois when he steps aside or ultimately gets terminated. I, I, I can't imagine that's going to happen. Tampa Bay is pretty successful, but uh, they may just be you know, hanging on to him and hoping that nobody wakes up and realizes that, hey, this guy deserves a shot. <laughs> And they can just promote him like they did uh, when Eisenman decided to go back home. Patrice Brisebois had been working under Eisenman for a handful of years, um, and they just shifted the reins. It sounds like this is another opportunity where if they can manage to keep him <sighs> hidden away, so to speak, you know, nothing to see here. Just uh, look somewhere else. There's nothing to see here. We got nothing. Don't worry about it. You know. Keep them kind of hidden. <laughs> they're basically, if they want to do that, they're basically going to have to keep him from giving interviews or <laughs> anything like that for a couple of years because he's, he's, he, I mean, I'm not saying he's as visible as, um, he's as visible as a general manager, but he's not hidden. When you've been a successful franchise, people start sniffing around your staff. Uh, like, I'm still amazed that Goalie Bob is still in Boston. <laughs> Two decades. How, like, how many Vesnas and Jennings um, has he been the coach, the goalie coach for? I was say, did he, did, he not man, did he not manage to get Tuka Rask of Vesna? <laughs> Tim Thomas had two of them in four years. Um, last year, Olmark. Uh, Swayman is probably going to be talked about this year. Uh, I mean, is there like is serious serious question? If someone out there can answer it for me, is there a more successful goalie coach than than Bob Asens? I don't know what they pay him, but keep paying him. Do you know how long he's been with the Bruins as goaltending coach? It's Just, like 20 years. Yes, 2003. So 20 plus years as goaltending coach for the for the Boston Bruins. 
And we've seen more than our fair share of decent ones come through here. I mean, we've seen some uh, questionable ones, too. Don't get me wrong. But but as I said, I mean, he's you have at least four Vesnas in that 20 years and three different goaltenders. That's yeah. one in every five years during the time just that I can think of. And wait a minute, wait a minute. When did Ashley, and he's got a Calder in there, as well as at least two Jennings. This, you're, you're legitimately, in Goalie Bob, you're talking about a legit Hall of Famer as a goaltending coach. Because he would have had, um, he would have had the Calder for uh, Razor. Thomas and Rask won a Jennings once. Um, I want to say there was at least one other Jennings trophy in there. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't give awards to goalie coaches. <laughs> no, they don't, but he should – like – Someone's to okay. This is the official kickoff of the Bob Asenza um, Hall of Fame campaign. May he may he coach another three decades, but like oh, and just to add, you know the little cherry thing they put on top of Sundays. Here's the little cherry thing. <clears throat> March twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen. Dateline March twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen. Tuka Rask is in net for the Boston Bruins, and he left in the game in the second left the game in the second period due to suspected hydration. At age fifty, a certain goaltending coach named Bob Asenza dressed up as the backup goaltender. <laughs> Against the New York Rangers, <laughs> well, we need somebody. Who can we get? Hey, wait, we got that guy upstairs. Bob! Bob! We need a backup. 0809, Thomas and Fernandez won it. Oh, that's right. They got the Jennings with Fernandez. I forgot about that. 1920, um, Halak and Rask won it. Ah, my guy. And then 2223, Olmark and Swayman won it. Three (sighs) different pairs of goaltender. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, if he were a, if he were a general coach, he'd, that's just bonkers. (laughs) I mean, seriously, three, four Vesnas and three, Jennings across, and I may be undercounting the Vesnas. Uh, no, I think it's Thomas twice, Olmark, and Rask. Uh, but oh, and the Calder. So like eight trophies in twenty years to goaltenders he's coaching. Um, yeah. 
So that's like I I don't know I'm I'm thinking that's pretty good. That's broken. The word for that is broken. Let's see. And um, Tim Thomas, 0809, Vesna. Ah, Tim Thomas, 1011, Vesna. Tugaras, 1314, Vesna. <laughs> then we had to wait a few years. Da, 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 da. Omar, 2223, Vesna. <laughs> so, yes, four Vesnas under Asenza with three different goaltenders. Um, and then, of course, as I said, as I mentioned, the Calder for an 0304 for Andrew Raycroft. Ah, yes, Mr. Raycroft. Eight trophies, 20 years. Mm, no, just no. <laughs> just no. I don't understand. <sighs> like, I don't understand how no one has hired him away simply by throwing too much money at him. Whether it's Toronto or the Rangers or something like someone like that, just saying here, um, we're going to pay you twice your current salary, and we're going to give you a housing stipend of eight thousand a month. So, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, Tuka and Yarrow. By the way, that was Yarrow's second Jennings Trophy because um, he won it with Brian Elliott with the Blues. Manny Fernandez, when he won it with the Bruins, with Tim Thomas, that was his second Vesna. He won it the first time with Backstrom and the Minnesota Wild. Um, yeah, if you're going to be bringing all this hardware in from one position – Somehow, you need to get a little – I don't understand it, but it it doesn't – and I hate to relate it this way, but sadly enough, unfortunately, all of this recognition for Bob Asenza makes him about as qualified for a GM job as what Rick Nash has done for Columbus. I can see I, I I would actually dispute that and say he's still more qualified because when you look at those goaltenders, yeah, there's a wide variety of personalities there. I mean, Tim Thomas was super quiet. Yoga, one of the first goaltenders who would talk about their doing yoga, not really not really a social media guy, didn't just sort of really quiet reserve, paid attention to his family and work obsessed, like work obsessed. You've got, then you've got a guy like Allmark who is rescues, who's the rescues kittens from a tree type. He's got the goalie hug. He's more emotionally effusive. You've got Yaroslav Halak in the middle there. You've got Tuka Rask, who was, you know, the tyrant of milk crates. Um, you've got Jeremy Swayman. You've got a whole, like, and Andrew Raycroft, who is fascinating. Like, a big personality. 
Um, so the fact that he's managed to connect on a fundamental level with all of these different personalities. And you, and of course you have Manny Fernandez in the middle there who had wild injuries, wild injuries. And to manage to be a part of that Jennings um, with that goaltending controversy, because they kept trying to hand the crease to everyone who was not Tim Thomas. And he managed to keep everyone focused and on task despite injuries and favoritism without real cause. And like, this is that, that sort of understanding of who the, of who guys are as players. It's not accidental. And when it lasts that long, um, because we're talking 20 years, the league has changed a lot in those 20 years. Um, It, it, it's just, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think my appreciation for uh, goalie Bob can be overstated in any way. Um, I, I the Boston Bruins without him in the last twenty years, do they actually win the cup in eleven? Do they get to the cup in thirteen, fourteen, and then in eighteen, and in, then in the nineteen season? I don't – I would love to believe yes, but based on the fact that he's gotten a, rec, a, a trophy, what is it, 45% of the time, uh, it, it's, it's hard to say no. It's hard to say that yes, it, it was yes definitively. It is – and whatever else one thinks of his tenure as president uh, of the Boston Bruins, Cam Neely needs to be congratulated for holding on to him through two general managers, two decades, uh, at least uh, two work stoppages. Um, five, five head coaches, by the way. Five head coaches. Yes, Mike Sullivan. Everybody's favorite, Uncle Dave, (laughs) Claude Julian, Bruce Cassidy, and Jim Montgomery. There has been one constant in the last 20 years on this team, and he is it. (laughs) At this point, you have to wonder if the head coaches are allowed to fire goalie Bob or if they just, you know, suggest it and are automatically removed. (laughs) (sighs) It it must be written into their contracts. Goalie Bob does not answer to you. <laughs> by the way, Goalie Bob was actually started by somebody. <clears throat> not one of the Bruins coaches currently, but actually. He, this person actually gave him the name when he signed with Winnipeg and was assigned to his AHL affiliate in 1987. Rick Bonus, another former Boston Bruin head coach, called him Goalie Bob back in 1987, and that's where that whole thing started. 1987. I wonder what percentage of our listeners were alive then. Please don't answer. <laughs> I just, I mean, yes, I would probably hire him before I would hire Rick Nash, just from his ability to connect with players. Again, it, it's not that I 
don't I my issue is I don't know how Rick would connect. I don't see any evidence of it. And I think Columbus would do better to go get somebody like a Matthew Darsh, get somebody with a little more because they're going to need that experience during the rebuild. That's my uh, oh, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't think that anyone's knocking on goalie Bob's door to be a general manager, um, but he would hardly be the first uh, goaltender turned general manager. Um Granted, the precedence is, I think, Garth Snow and not many more. Um, and Garth Snow was doing it for the Islanders under their old ownership. So it's hard oh. to say how much of his success and or failure was his was him and how much was them. We did leave off one or two pieces of hardware for Asenza. Go for it. Well, we covered the Vesnas, the Jennings, a Calder. Um. I guess you could say, well, Conn Smythe and Stanley Cup. Because you could Tim, do that. You could Tim, also throw in a President's Trophy or <laughs> Tim Thomas um, and a couple of President's tro- uh, 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 Yeah. Okay. So this guy, yeah, he's, he's high. Uh, he could stick around for a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I just, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, uh, where do we want to move on to from here? Do we want to talk about the nosedive, um, the uh, tweaking, which happened to be in the same city? Wait, wait, which nose? Oh, the the, the nose, the two different nosedives in the same city? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got that. Uh, I was assuming you would get that uh, the way I wrote it, but um, two different first, nosedives in the same first city. First, the dumb mm-hmm. news, and then the bad news. Uh, yes. Social media was a buzz uh, the last day or two uh, with a video that appears to show Adam Rzyska, uh doing cocaine, or um, all of the all of the paraphernalia and apparent substance necessary to do cocaine. I was gonna say we probably have to use the word allegedly in there somewhere, but I did say apparent. It's not. We don't know what the actual substance was in the vial, um, and we don't know. And I did say appears because let's be honest, um, the ability for deep fakes to be done is pretty high at this point, um, and you can also. I mean, between AI and just plain good old-fashioned good animation, there's there's a chance it's not him. The video, as shown, makes him look heavier than he is or than he appears to be on the ice. Um, So... I can't definitively say that it was him. It was his social media account, but we know that those get hacked pretty regularly and who knows the strength of his password. Um, The ability to... Do I believe it was not him and... 
Probably not. The, abil- uh, the ability for talented people to do stupid things has never ceased to amaze me. Uh, you're giving you're given this opportunity by whatever higher power you believe in. And yes, it takes some work to develop that talent, but clearly you have a talent that 99% of the world, you know, doesn't have to the excess that you do. And yet you can do something to jeopardize that by doing something dumb, like post a video of you or allegedly posting a video of yourself doing something with illegal substances. I just, I'm, I'm having difficulty wrapping my head around why. Okay. I I mean, the video is not said to contain him actually doing the, the, what appears cocaine. Here's a, here's a, Whack job uh, conser- um, conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Fourth round pick, 2017. Mm-hmm. He's only gotten into 117 NHL games. He's gone from Calgary to Arizona. Um, Arizona is. Not making the playoffs this year. It doesn't look here. No. Um, and where is his contract? Uh, he's in the last. He's in the last year of a two-year deal worth about one and a half million. So seven. He's not. He's not making. He's not making much money. We've seen very not successful players go from the NHL to the KHL and make a lot more money, mm-hmm. be a lot more successful, and at 6'4", and what is he listed at, 220 pounds – he could do really, 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 really well in Europe, whether it's in the KHL or whatever. Or, you know, maybe he plays in the Swedish League. Or What if he decided this is a really easy way to get out of my contract? I can be signed when... I can be ready to sign. I can sign for the rest of the season there now, and have a and have a brand new contract for multiple years with a team when uh, as soon as free agency opens, or maybe as soon as I get there. Because at that size, having played in the NHL. Probably going to go make a significant amount more money. Uh, would not be playing in the best league in in 
in yeah, the world or the he's believed. barely playing in the best league in the world now. He only got into three games this season. He played 39 games last. Well, no, I'm sorry. He's played 42 games this season um, and, and has all of three goals. He played all of 44 games last season. Another idea? Maybe he's just homesick. Maybe but there are other but there are other ways to go about it than putting yourself into a situation where it appears you're doing something with an illegal substance. Um, yes, but you're talking a 24 year old who's away from home and may just want an out that leaves him no pressure to come back to the NHL. I, I, anything's possible. I I just struggle with why. I mean, do I think that? Do I? Do I think it would be a good way to do it? No. Do I think it's a? Do I think it's a possibility? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, certainly. I still, I, I'm just, like I said, struggling to wrap my head around it, not understanding why you would go about it this way. And is it a possibility that it's, I mean, the face looks like his, but like you said, it, it's, you know, with today's technology, can his face be photoshopped onto another body? And it, it, Oh, deep fakes are, are pretty easy. Okay, I've never done one, so I wouldn't well, know how easy. Pretty easy in a technological sense, but I mean, my my company uh, day job they showed. Uh, I had a training video that looked like an actor who has been dead for several years was speaking, and they had a voice actor doing a semi credible impression of that actor. Okay, um, and. If it weren't for the speech pattern, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known right away, aside from the fact that, you know, this actor is no longer with us, that it wasn't who it was claiming to be. For something as short as a social media video, you could pull that off fairly easily. I mean, there are, there's a entire industry of adult video fakes uh, out there that have been there with lesser technology for as long as the internet has existed. Now this, this story that we've got was from the, from Yahoo sports, Kelly Lawson Freeman, but it's dated Friday. I don't know how long he has to sit on, Waivers, unconditional waivers before his contract can be terminated. But it has been terminated. At, I was going to say, looking at Cap Friendly, his name no longer appears anywhere with Arizona. So, yeah, it's been terminated. Um, do I expect anyone to sign him before the end of the year? No. I was going to say, expect- based on what he's done, no. It, it's not. And I know this article, com, you know, mentions. Uh, that his situation is similar to what happened to Corey Perry in Chicago. 
the fact that they've also had to place Galchenyuk on unconditional waivers, who ended up going to the KHL. He doesn't have that cachet. He doesn't have that that he doesn't have that gravitas that he can hope that another another organization is going to say, "Hey, we need to get on this." like Edmonton did with Corey Perry. No, he doesn't. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's safe to say we won't see him in the NHL again for at least another year or two. Uh, Time for the story to blow over and for people to mm, soften on the idea that he might have done something that dumb. I mean, if he, if he goes into the player assistance program immediately, and, you know, expresses his regret and everything before uh, the end of the season, he might make it into camp on a trade on a uh, on a tryout next year. But like even that, I think, is I don't know if he can I don't know if he can enter the player assistance program now as a non NHL player at this point because he has his contract's been terminated he doesn't have a contract with any nhl team he's not linked to yeah, anything he, he would still be a member of the player association having been in the league in the last year okay. or so okay. uh, i i still think he'll i still think he'll be playing in europe next year um i mean assuming he decides to play at all he might go home and work in in a steel mill with his father or whatever or, you know, he might be on the street exchanging favors for drugs. I, I don't know. It's but, really hard to say. And But un- unfortunately, his nosedive corresponds with <clears throat> the organization's nosedive. And probably doesn't feel as good. Um, yeah, I... I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, you put up there that you put up there that it's nosedive and trade deadline, and, and uh, I mean, I had picked this team. I had picked this team to to finish in the playoffs, and it looked like uh, you know my thin limbed prediction was actually coming true for most of the first half of the season, but as they approached the as they as they came into the new year and approached the the All Star break, they started sinking a little, but they were still within they were still within in striking distance of a wild card spot. They were, and I know that that's the case now. <laughs> no, uh, I I mean the West is squishy, so many many things are possible. Uh, okay, the West, we've said this for a couple of years now that the West is squishy. Actually, I would say the whole bottom two-thirds of the league is squishy at this point. Um, okay. I, at this point, I honestly refuse to pick uh, who's going to land the wild card spots in either conference. Um, I mean, the Coyotes have sunk all the way to fourth from the worst in in the West. There's but there's 16 points up on Chicago, um, who 
clearly are looking to get uh, to pick up Celebrini uh, to add to. Yeah, I've seen him play. Oh, he's silky smooth, seventeen-year-old. That oh, yeah, he's going to be a nice get for somebody. <laughs> but um, there, but even at sixteen points above Chicago, they're still they're twelve points. Uh, they're fourteen points behind Nashville. Um, is it possible, especially with two games in hand, that they could suddenly rebound and climb over several mediocre teams? Yeah. I mean, St. Louis, not impressive. Minnesota, not impressive. Calgary, not impressive. Seattle, not impressive. And, the and they, have games in, they have games in hand against all those teams. Yeah. Uh, and the Kings have not necessarily been spectacular. Yes, they have a 600 points percentage. Um, but Nashville? Meh. I mean, the Kings are literally the the low water mark for the West, or the high water mark. Um, in the standings, they are the lowest team with a positive goal differential on the season. And they have one or two games in hand on everyone behind them, uh, except for Arizona and San Jose, who they have played the same number of games as. Um, San Jose, so the Kings will probably make the playoffs in the West. But guarantee. Uh, I mean, at the same by the same measure in the East. Only eight points separate uh, the Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings, and you and you go from a 596 uh, points percentage to a 526. Uh, one through five in the wild card rankings out west, you at least have a a difference, a bigger difference in in points percentage, going from 607 to 526. Um, but the goal differential is definitely bigger in the West right now. No, no. I well, no, actually, it's it's bigger between Detroit and the Islanders, but uh, in at least in the East, the teams all have a all of those teams are still yeah. It's I can't I don't want to. I'm, I I will say definitively that San Jose is not making the playoffs. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah, that's that's an enormous limb to go out on. Uh, it's 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 sort of a risky proposition, but hey. Although they're actually better than the Blackhawks. <sighs> there are twelve college teams that are better than the Blackhawks this year, <laughs> and I mean that. There are probably twelve ho- college hockey teams in the U.S. that could beat the Chicago Blackhawks in a seven-game series. And I'm thinking at least four of them are here in the Northeast. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Boston College and Boston University could both take them. <laughs> Along with Northeastern. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are somewhat slightly off topic because... No. I know it's shocking. We were talking about the Coyotes. Um, but according the- to multiple sources, Bill Armstrong is going into sell mode. 
Um, I have two questions here, and only one of them is not serious. Actually, both of them are only semi-serious. Number one, how much are they going to be able to sell with such a lot of teams that have no functional cap space? And number two, is there a league limit on the number of draft picks that you can accumulate because they have a lot over the next three drafts already? I don't know that there's a I don't know that there's a, a an, an actual limit set by the NHL. So I'm pretty I mean, sure that Arizona and and you know I what I don't understand is why do you always want to be the bridesmaid and never the bride? This isn't even the bridesmaid. This is like the last fling for the groom before he puts a ring on someone's finger, which okay, it might be the bridesmaid. Um <laughs> But okay. all six of their defensemen are not signed for next year. Seven of their defensemen, rather. Three are UFAs and three are RFAs who are uh, arbitration eligible. We said Matt Dumba was on a show-me contract. Um, Sean Dersey. Sean Dersey is – he plays both sides. $1.7 million, 25 years old. I Someone is going to get a good a good young defenseman when the, if they pull the trigger on that one. Arbitration. Um, Jason Zucker, thirty two years old, arguably still something left in the tank. Um, Nick Bugstad, good depth defenseman, a year left on the deal. Um, I'm assuming they're going to keep Logan Cooley and Dylan Gunther, uh, but yeah. Literally everyone else gonna be available. I don't think Logan Cooley's going anywhere. Kerfoot available. Kraus available. Schmaltz Keller available. Um, so it says here, Bill Armstrong talking to the Athletic on Friday. <clears throat> Yeah, I've been open and transparent with our fan base and our players in the sense that they'll dictate where we're going, whether we're buyers or sellers. And at this point, we're not rich enough as an organization to go down a road and not receive assets if we're not going to get into the playoffs. In other words, be prepared for more draft picks. Be prepared for Arizona to basically set their table up right on the dais as opposed to on the floor with everybody else, because that's a lot of walking to have to do for, you know, the, the, the management team. <laughs> and, you know, you might see some of their younger, um, some of their pro- young prospects may end up in some of these deals. Um, You may see Connor Geeky get moved. Um, between his two WHL teams, he's got he's well he's had like a point and a half, almost a point and a half per game uh, between the Broncos and the uh, and the Wild. I mean, for the Wild, twenty six games, twenty goals, twenty nine assists, or forty nine points. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Broncos, 18 games, 14 goals, 15 assists, 29. Uh, 
and he's a 19-year-old center. Someone may inquire about him pretty loudly. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and at World Juniors, he was 2-1-3 two, two, uh, in five games. Um, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Akurati. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's got 24 points in 35 games uh, in the AHL this year as a first-year pro, first-year North American Finnish player. And that's a fifth-rounder. Like, six feet, 165 pounds, right shot. Yeah, he's 22 years old. Um, but people are going to inquire about some of their prospects as well. Um and that's where I think it's going to get fascinating because they have to decide who who they're willing to part with because I don't think they're going to get pure roster for roster movement. Well, I mean, Bill Armstrong said a lot in this article. Go ahead. And Oh, by the way, I'm not quite sure in this particular case whether he's actually trying to give some guidance to a certain Boston GM or if he's trying to channel his inner Rick Pitino because he says, if you look at any team that's won the Stanley Cup, it's pretty much the same. It's built through the draft. You need a number one center, hello, a number one D-man, and a number one goaltender. And you need a whole lot of players around it. Well, I don't know if I buy the whole number one goaltender thing because, they, I mean, the whole evidence of, of tandem goaltending lately has shown that maybe it's not true. But anyway, the moneymakers come in the draft. Nobody's trading you Braden Point. You know what I mean? Nobody's trading you Victor Hedman. You've got to find them in the draft. Is he as much indicting his system and the former GMs in that statement? Because he's very clearly saying he doesn't have that in his system. uh, And you make that statement, you're saying, I don't have these things uh, in my – they're not in my locker room. They're not in my AHL affiliate. I don't know where they are. But then he turns around and says, as for, the, you know, I don't as for the, you know, the whole thing with enough picks, he does answer that. He says, I don't buy the whole we've got too many draft picks. We turn draft picks into players and adding guys like Jack McBain and Sean Dersey, and we'll continue to try to do that. So basically, he's saying that not all the picks that they have are going to be Arizona picks. Some will be used in currency for trades. Why the I, my question is, who's doing the evaluating if you're still willing to take on players with contracts and trade away all of the picks that you've accumulated and that John Chaka tried to put into place before everybody went, oh, my God, we can't have John. He's doing too good a job. Uh, and the new ownership, who I just I have no read on them whatsoever. It, so you've got you've got picks. You take the picks. You but you're willing to trade some away. So who's evaluating the talent that you bring in? Sean Dursey was a good pickup. Jack McBain, I think he's all right. Uh, but I'm 
I'm not sold on the direction that this whole franchise is taking. And Bill Armstrong, the only thing that he guarantees in this article, literally, and, and it, as close to a guarantee as you can get without him using that word, is I won't go into every single player, but there's a good core that we want to move forward with and take a step. Calvin Melka has one year more on his deal, reasonable. At this particular time, we like the situation we're in with our goaltending, and we'll continue to move forward with those guys. So the goaltenders are the two two guys or three guys on the team that are safe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously we mentioned the two guys on their the two forwards on their entry levels, but beyond that, yeah, there's from what Bill Armstrong is saying, and this might be overstated in order to drive excitement. Uh, among the other general managers, because uh-huh. I, I know how that I know how that sales job works. Um, I it it sounds like even the uh, even the equipment guys are going to need a a picture a picture roster next year because most of these guys aren't going to be there. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take like a screen grab of the actual roster right now, and hold on to it, and we're gonna look at it again when the season opens. I I, I, I still would love to sit down with Bill and ask him <clears throat> flat out, how is it that your entire defense core is unsigned for next year unsigned what is the is there a plan i i like i said i don't understand the direction that this organ it it doesn't help that they're homeless which is not the general manager's job in the first place but i understand ahead. that but it but it all blends into the whole directionless franchise it, they have no direction whether it's in finding a home or having a state or having players, you've got all seven of your defense core have no contracts beyond this season. You're actually paying more in. You're actually paying more in. Uh, IR. I mean, the guys you have on long-term IR and you're paying Shea Weber for another two years after this at ridiculous money. But uh, yes, uh, there's nothing here that tells me that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Where are you going with this? Except to say, hey, we've got a boatload of draft picks. Yay. I mean, as a fan base, you get excited about the draft. What are you doing to excite your fan base? Um, playing in a college arena and giving out beer at cheaper than normal NHL prices, maybe. I don't know if the beer is cheaper, but I don't either. Um, and I have, well, I haven't made my vacation plans for the year yet. Uh, I don't actually have the greater Phoenix, Arizona area on, on my uh, short list. If I were a fan of, I'm sorry, but as a fan of, a, as a Coyotes fan, I'd be 
searching for another franchise to be a fan of. I, they have done nothing to instill any kind of confidence in me that my team is going anywhere fast. Um, well, they're going nowhere fast, and they've is been that building possible? that. Is that is that actually a destination, though? I mean, there is a place called Nowhere, Arizona, I think. Maybe they are going to nowhere. I don't know. Or is it Nowhere, Texas? I don't know. There's some place that, that the town is actually named Nowhere, but I have to Google that one and look it up. I mean, are we going nowhere? No, we're heading toward more talk of hockey. We're definitely talking hockey today. I should hope uh, so. We record the t- we record the uh, lacrosse podcast on Wednesdays. I got to come up with some good stories for that. Actually, the New Eng- actually the, New- the the Boston or New England team won the championship in the PLL this year. Um, let's talk goalies. <laughs> and that does it for PLL. And then <laughs> Well, I was going to talk PLL goalies, but if you don't want to. No, I think we should talk um, NHL goalies. One of the big questions uh, at any trade deadline and certainly the offseason and every draft, particularly for certain franchises, is – what are we going to do for goalie? What are we going to do for a goalie? What are we going to do for a goalie? Well, apparently and you can't get Carol Vamelka because they seem to want to hang on to him in Arizona. That's fine. Um, because there's a goalie with pedigree who might just be available. Yeah. Um, going to cover this last week and just plain ran out of time. Uh, Kyle Stokes uh, put up an article a couple of days back um, on the availability of future Hall of Famer Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, LeBron lists uh, – Pierre LeBron reported that he had a lengthy – that Fleury had had a lengthy meeting with his agent, talked about Toronto, Carolina, and Colorado – um, I think that Colorado is probably the strongest contender of those three, but that's just my very humble opinion. I don't know uh, if he wants. To, I don't know if he wants to play behind that Toronto defense. Uh, well, I, I did air quotes when I said defense, by the way. Um, or yeah. <laughs> know how much I love Toronto's defense. <laughs> I, let's put it this way: if I were a goaltender, I would. It would not be my first option. No, uh, not unless not unless a high quality defenseman were being tra- traded there with me, or at the same time as me. Oh sure. And we all know how much his agent loves Mark Andre Fleury. Who's his agent again? I can never remember. Isn't that the Allen guy? <laughs> I, I'm not sure I've ever heard of Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh, yeah, isn't he? Isn't he the art? He he does the art, or he has somebody do artwork and really, really good artwork too. He likes swords. Yes, that's the guy. There you go. Yeah, uh, I I vaguely remember seeing one or two tweets about him, but he's he's usually not talking about his players ever. It's he, usually oh, no, like he never supports and 
he never supports guys like Yarrow Halak or, or Marc Andre Fleury or you know. Yeah, it's always talking about the quality of Airbnbs and uh, his favorite T ones, um, yoga poses, and sure. um, yeah, <laughs> and the use of violent weapons on you know some players. Goalie is unlikely to green light a trade, even to a contender, if he wouldn't see significant playing time. So he's not going anywhere. He wa- he's going to be the backup or the third goaltender. Exactly. So unless unless Boston is trading both goaltenders to Minnesota, probably not going to come here. I had so many things I want to say to that statement. If, if- Go for it. No, just if Sweeney were to ever move both goaltenders. Uh, uh, mm. I understand he's probably going to move one of them, but oh my goodness, no. Yeah, the, uh, sports radios, call-in shows would be absolute gold for the roast of Sweeney. Like, I would tune they, in and listen for like a week. It would be the first time since... I don't know, wild, wild west where they would actually build a wooden gallows in front of TD garden. Yeah. The, the (laughs) chance of tar and feathering would not be zero. (laughs) Tar and feathering would just be the opening act. (laughs) It would be, it would be ending the finale. The grand finale would be certainly an ending for a certain GM. (laughs) that he doesn't want to get anywhere near. Uh, I think Fleury is, is still, I mean, we've seen him play against Boston and wow, it, clearly 39 years old is just a number to Mark Andre Fleury because he was still playing like a guy who's uh, scratching at the top of his game or somewhere near it at the very least. I think that if he were to go somewhere, he would certainly be a help. And I think it would be foolish of whatever team does acquire him to use him only as a backup. So good of him to say that he doesn't want to go somewhere to sit on his butt because that would be a total waste of his time. And shall I say the franchise's time that acquires him. I don't think Toronto is a, I don't think Toronto is a smart move for him. And I'm hoping that Alan Walsh would tell him that. Carolina and their defense is probably more solid, but Colorado as well-rounded as they are. And Georgiev is not doing a bad job. I just think that they need somebody slightly better than him to get them over the top. That's entirely fair. I mean, looking at the looking at the goaltending tandem for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've got Ilya Samsonov and Martin Jones. Um, Martin Jones has had a colorful career. He's had some really good hockey play. He's had some really terrible hockey play. Yes. Um, Neither of these guys is doing doing much for the Islanders, for the Leafs right now. I mean, at a 9.07, Jones is is the better goaltender by a good chunk um, uh, in terms of save percentage. But I 
I struggle to look at these guys and say, yes, this is the guy I want to ride into the playoffs with, uh, particularly if I'm Toronto and I know that this is this is part of how I getting a goaltender or getting some defense is part of how I keep uh, either Tavares or Marna in at the end of next season when their contracts are over. I don't know that they'll be able to keep both of them, but like getting a goaltender and maybe Mark Andre Fleury isn't the best solution for them in terms of keeping keeping one of those forwards, but doing something is clearly going to be necessary because neither of those guys should be a long-term solution. And both of them are UFAs. Uh, and is, uh, is, is Joseph Wall hurt? I mean, another hockey East goaltender who is clearly better than the two guys ahead of him. And why he's not getting more playing time is beyond me. He's only been in, th- I mean, he's been in 13 games. Yeah. He's on the LTIR. Oh, okay. That yeah. explains it then. Cause I'm sorry. Uh, Samsonov with an 883, Martin Jones, as you said, with a 907, Joseph Wall has a 916. They all have high goals against, which as you, as you say, is a team number and certainly explains the, certainly is evidence of the fact that, the team in front of him doesn't know how to play defense. That's why they all have high GAAs. But the save percentage, when you look at it, and clearly Joseph Wall is better than the other two. Yes. Um, <laughs> looking at the abs goaltending, you mentioned Yorgiev. Um, Yorgiev is an all-star. Justice Anunin. Uh, is their 23-year-old backup. Uh, he's got uh, numbers that I really wouldn't write home about uh, on this side of the year 20, 2000. I also don't think he's the... I mean, he's only played in four games. He's only played in four games. There, Which is I, half of his career in NHL total. Yeah, I, forget, I forget who the other the other guy is there that's... That, uh, injured at the moment I would assume but neither one of them is over 90% save percentage Franskus uh, Pavel Franskus oh uh, Franskus yeah who but everybody wanted him to get the con Smythe the year that they won the Stanley Cup uh, and, and as the backup to Darcy Kemper and Franskus in his 16 games actually he hasn't played this season um, he hasn't played the season at all, so I, it's questionable whether he will again or not. Um, his contract is – he's also a UFA at the end of the year, so even if he do, is able to play next year, there's questions about where it would be. I just think I, – I think Colorado might be – Again, I'm worried about the somewhat high goals against numbers. I think that Colorado has a better defense core than Toronto, but still you're talking about Kale McCarr, who's top three as far as best defenseman in the NHL. 
uh, and well-rounded. I like Devin Tays a lot. Bowen Byram, when healthy, and this year he has been because he's appeared in 51 games, when healthy is a decent, and, and I like Sam Girard, but he's been hurt. He's only played in 38 games. I do like their defense. It's not it's not shut down the way Carolina's was over the has been over the last few years or the way the Predators were a few years ago when they had Cyrus and and, and I mean Riosi and, and Weber and, and Ellis. They're not a lockdown defense in terms of they're going to block all the shots and eat all the lanes. They're just going to skate up and take the puck from you. This is a this is a greased floor or banana peel defense. If you want to they're they're not relying on strength, they're relying on speed and agility. Um and it's an interesting evolution uh and I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable, but it's certainly fun to watch. Yes. I, I and I think that they are in more in I think they're in more need of goaltending help than the other. I mean, if you pull the, if you go to Carolina, they made a move actually. Yeah, but they brought it. They brought in Spencer Martin from Columbus. I mean, Spencer Martin, not the again, not a great move. The only goaltender in their in, in, of their four-headed monster that's over ninety save percentage is Kochekov, with his ninety nine ten save percentage and two three six goals against. He also happens to have appeared in the most games. Fred Anderson six games. Uh, is he almost calling it a career at this point? He seems to Fred Anderson. I, I think Fred Anderson might be getting close to the finish line. Auntie Ranta, uh, eight seven two goal save percentage and a two nine nine goals again. Outside of Kochetkov, they've got goaltending issues. So where does he land? He, he, certainly, he can help a franchise. You look at what Marc-Andre Fleury's done this year with the Minnesota Wild, and clearly he can still help somebody. Goaltenders don't usually move at the trade deadline. I think this could be – this year could be different. You could see at least one, if not two or three, depending upon what happens with – and dare I say Boston with Olmark. I still think that he's most likely to move – at oh, the draft, I, but Omar's a possibility. Not that I've heard his name anywhere, but everybody talks about the you know the tandem and what are they going to do with Swayman? And we talked about it. You know, is Swayman really itching to go home? Did I think end up with on? the defensive injuries that there's a better chance that we see Swayman, uh, one of the goaltenders in Boston, moved at the deadline than there was at the beginning of the season. And then there's, yeah, I I mean, I've been saying it all along. Unfortunately, the finance, the finances are such that they're not going to pay two goaltenders north of 5 million 
Not unless the cap suddenly jumps up like nine million instead of the three to four that people are desperately hoping for. And even then, I'm not sure it's a winning solution. But then there's the other then there's the other option which has suddenly creeped into the conversation and I didn't hear about it till I saw something online the other day that somehow you say Saros of the Nashville Predators is suddenly available or possibly av- I I don't buy it. I don't think Barry Trotz is going to uh, I don't think Barry Trotz is going to do it. Well, but here's go ahead, go ahead. I I just it it struck me as odd the first time I saw it that you know the possibility of him going and the Devils were interested. It's just to me to have somebody of his caliber, and yes, I know they're sitting on Askarov in in the minors, and he's tearing it up, and he is. And he's played a few games at the NHL level as well. He's, as far as I know, anyway, I, I do believe they called him up. I thought he appeared in a couple of games, but they don't show him. So he must not be on the current active. They sent him back down. Continue. I just would like to see. I think that they're going to need to hang on to Saros and, and be sure of what they have with Eskarov. You don't want to bring him up. And you find out, you know, he can handle it in the AHL level, but you get to the NHL level and no such luck. The issue here is that apparently he's already had talks with the Devils and the rumor is that or or the conversation was that he wanted Durson Moss, uh, Dawson Mercer from the Devils and Akira Schmid and Seamus Casey their first round pick and the second round pick in 2025 for Carrier, Saros, and the Predators were going to retain 50% on Carrier. It's a big trade. And I just don't, I don't see, I just, I'm not seeing it happen because I've seen other sources that say that what Barry Trotz is going to ask for, you say Saros, is basically pricing everybody out of the market for him anyway. Which which is honestly to be expected. Barry Trotz is a first-time general manager, and he just took over a franchise from a very long-tenured general manager who hasn't wasn't known for making big trades. And you have to know that you know you have you have a couple of assets but you don't have the freedom of movement uh with uh, with any of them except for Saros. Roman Yossi, no movement clause. Ryan McDonough who's not the player he was in Florida, no trade clause. Um Philip Forsberg, no movement clause. Ryan O'Reilly, 33 years old. Um, and the Bruins should that, still, and the Bruins should still inquire. They they should more than inquire. They should. <laughs> I was trying I, to be. They should go for any semi reasonable trade because he still has three years at that four and a half million dollar cap. In 
Um, but if they're going to trade their best asset because they're going, they're committing to the hard rebuild, they have to get an overpayment for it. They have to. Well, as we talked about before, and it's in the same and article. Don't forget, as, wait, yeah, but yeah, don't forget ahead, that UC Saros still has a year of term left on that contract. Which is another nice uh, get when you acquire him. But yes. as we talked about, and it's reported before, you know, listening on Saros, who has more than one, who has one more year on his deal at $5 million, not a bad price tag. Uh, but entering the weekend, it seems that no team has been willing to enter, here's your word, the orbit it would take to get Nashville's attention. And or, <laughs> orbit is my favorite word for NHL writers <coughs> to use when they think that a general manager is legitimately asking for way more than the market will bear. You don't hear it very often. You don't see it very often. But – when you hear that word, folks, pay attention. That said, that said, if yeah. the market, if there is a rush on goaltenders, he'll get it. Like if two contenders have injuries and Olmark goes for something very close to that with no term left on his contract, Cyrus will absolutely bring a haul like that. Cyrus would bring a haul. Sarah, you know, you've heard me talk. I, I love you say Cyrus. You know this. I I think I've been fairly open about that. Uh, the the guy just he's a halak sized he's a halak sized goaltender. He's barely I I don't even think he's six feet. I think he's like five ten or something. Uh, and he, athletic he he's he's one of the tougher goalies in the league. His numbers nece- don't necessarily bear it out all the time, but. I just think that they could get a haul for him. I don't see it happening. I think that he, I think Barry's pricing him so high that he's not even going to be touchable unless, as you say, suddenly Andre Fleury gets scoffed up. Somebody actually offers the Bruins something of value and really, really, really wants Ulmark or dare I say Swayman, I think the Bruins would prefer to hang on to Jeremy if they're going to have to part with one of the two. I'm pretty sure they would hang on to the younger one who's... It makes sense to hold on to the younger one, especially yes. given the issue or whatever it was that um, that Elmark had last season. Right. The undisclosed injury that really got me mad at Montgomery. I think it got a lot more than just you and I mad at him. I think a lot of people were mad at him, but I don't know that everybody actually saw what was going on. I just think that, yes, it, it he could, but I think right now it's more about uh, tantalizing. He's teasing, you know, well, you know, this guy could be available for the right price, you know, but let's see what you got to offer. And yeah, OK. So are you making that our will he or won't he? Will Saros be traded before the deadline? We could. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, it. I, I think Saros is the most intriguing of the three just because of the way the GM's playing it. I think Marc-Andre Fleury may actually be the most likable or most movable asset of the three 
most most likely to move of the three, I should say. So of um, you say when you say the three, you're talking of Saros, Flurry, and Olmark. Yeah, I think that Olmark has to be. I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about it, but I think Olmark has to be thrown in there, or one of the tandem. I I just I don't know how else the Bruins make a move if they really do want to make a move. If there's no talk about it, that means there's one of two things happening in my mind in a situation like the Bruins are currently in. Number one, there's already a handshake deal. Yeah, but again, with who? Or number two, there's the GM has said flat out not happening. And that's a possibility around here to, here as well, especially if they think they have a chance at making some kind of deeper run than they did last year. Or, you know, the handshake deal is for the draft. Let's talk at the draft. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Jaromir Yager. <laughs> he did the impossible. And... Well, he's still highly unlikely. He's still playing hockey at 50 some odd years old. And he got his number retired before he did. I mean, his number got tired before he did. Is he officially retired from the NHL? Wait a minute. (laughs) I think he might be retired from the NHL, but he is still playing overseas. Well, he owns the team he's playing on. So I I think he has a good shot of making the roster. I think he has a pretty good shot of making the team when you own it. I don't. I could be wrong about that. Maybe the maybe the GM is smart enough to say, "Dude, no, no, <laughs> just no." Um, but yes, he. I, I wanted to talk about this last week, and and again, we had so much that we just ran over. Uh, number five pick in the ninety NHL draft. Ugh, yes, nineteen ninety. So 30, no, yeah, 34 years ago. I don't think there are more than 30 players in the NHL who were alive when Yager was drafted. Pittsburgh just wanted, yeah. He had his number 68 retired by the Penguins back then they faced the Los Angeles Kings. Right. And yet he then goes back home to Cladno, if I'm not yep. mistaken, where he owns the franchise and still plays professional organized hockey. That's correct. I'm wondering if he takes a salary or if he just kind of, yeah, you know, he has four well, he's do something to keep in shape. He he turned 52. Uh, just recently, he has four assists in 15 games for Kladno, the team he owns in Extra Liga, top professional league in Czechia. But he doesn't you know, know how much longer that could last. Maybe he's going to play until he's old enough for whatever their social security uh, equivalent is. Clearly, he doesn't seem. To, clearly, coaching doesn't seem to you know coaching or anything else doesn't ap- appeal to him. He just wants to play. I, I, I'm I'm amazed, and congratulations to him. I, I think that at some point 
there's got to be Hall of Fames that are going to have his likeness, bust, face, uh, plaque everywhere. I, I just, wow. I mean, 52 years old, the guy's still going. And granted, hasn't scored a goal. He's only got four assists, 15 games, but he played in the IHA. Wait, he played with the he played in the 2015 IAHF World Championship, so that was eight years ago. So 52. Yeah. So he was 44, and he's playing in World Championship. Uh, <laughs> okay, Vincent Trocheck was born in Pittsburgh three years after Yager was drafted, and actually got to play with him. 2015 to 2017 with the Panthers. Okay, this guy's been around a while. But does he, I mean, he clearly deserves, I mean, you look at what he's done. And this is a guy who not only does he own the team, but he does marketing. He was on Twitter saying that he needed a defenseman for his franchise. <laughs> was it last? Uh, I don't know. I Congratulations, man. I, seriously. It, he came here. He played for a season. He played for what was it, half a season or a season and a half with the Bruins. I'm so kidding. he needs to basically, if he plays until he's sixty years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh no! Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's a little bit older than that. Um, he was born after seventy-seven. No, actually, he was. <laughs> Yes, I'm actually literally looking at um, retirement pension uh, for Chechia as we speak. He was born in 72. Um, so what is it with those middle European guys who have work ethics beyond belief? I mean, this guy, according to this. At the rink later than anybody, not just training, but whatever he was doing. He always wanted to get better. Hold the puck, be strong with the puck, uh, you know, working, working so on himself. About eight more years before he's eligible for retirement pension. Yeah, Zdeno Charo, who goes crazy. Those guys, they're all working their butts yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Yeah. Hey, look at PJ Axelson. See? Again, yeah. I it, like I said, congratulations, man. Well deserved, and I just I wish it. I wish him a lot of luck. And hey, go Cladno. <laughs> go Cladno, and I think that's where we're going to have to leave you, uh, folks. We have our will here, won't he, for next week. Uh, we have our that poll will be in the show's uh, description. Um, I will also be tweeting it out uh, in the next few minutes. Um, we will be back uh, next week. If you have questions, um, if you have hopes, if you have something you want to rant about, send it to us over Twitter, um, and we will take a look at it um, and uh, maybe talk about it during the show next week. Um, that, uh, those avenues are always open. Um, so whether you're listening to it right now on this show or you find something from a show four weeks ago or a year ago, we'll talk about it. 
have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. Spring is coming and with it the playoffs and I can't wait for either. Chris? I second that sentiment. Can't wait for the spring. Can't wait for the playoffs. But we still got plenty of hockey to go before we get there. And we got the finish of the silly season. Woo-ha. Later. <laughs>